This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Fall is a great time of year to get into your local Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Store. It's a busy time of year in hardware stores, and they'll take care of you at Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Store. And I'm pleased to say... They are bringing you this Garage Logic podcast number 18, October 5, 2018. The record high temperature on this day in downtown Garage Logic was 87 degrees in 1879. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Hi, everybody. John really doesn't use that teletech, does he? <laughs> who, who, was, who was in here, though? Is this all the result of the beer show, the way this studio is oh, completely yeah. destroyed? Well, Chris, well, what do you say about hold that? Hold on here. Yeah. Hold on. Man, you better defend yourself because... What, what, Thank what, God what? my little midget chair is still here. Well, I'm sorry, my little short person See, chair. you're the only person in the building that likes to use that chair. Yeah. Um, and I did forget to put it back in its place. Oh, yeah. Because I sit there where you're sitting right mm-hmm. now f- to do the beer show. Yeah, I've heard it now. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't like that chair. It's not comfortable. Fact-based... Uh, I'll go to uh, Chief Offsite Correspondent Kelsey first because he continues to do the work that you guys don't. Fact uh, uh, based. Won't would be more. Reaver said that Ernest Lehman wrote West Side Story. Actually, he wrote the screenplay for the movie in 1961. The real author of the story was playwright Arthur Lorenz, who wrote it for Broadway in 1957. I didn't know the answer prior to Googling it, but I was pretty sure that the on-site staff had probably given you the incorrect answer. (laughs) All right. And also from Chief Offsite Correspondent uh, Kelsey, uh, a total of 11 high school football players have died since the beginning of 2017. Wow. According to research cited by azcentral.com from the National Center for Catastrophic Sport Injury Research at the University of North Carolina. 17th. That's why the NFL's in trouble. Gotcha. Uh, and from uh, from Tim, when you asked who wrote West Side Story on yesterday's show, the name Ernest Lehman should have rung a bell. In addition to that screenplay, Mr. Lehman also wrote the screenplays for The Sound of Music and North by Northwest. Other credits include Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Somebody Up There Likes Me, and Black Sunday. Mr. Lehman was Jewish, as were many of the principals in the original Broadway production. The music was by Leonard Bernstein, the lyrics by Stephen Soundheim, and the book was written by Arthur Lorenz, born Arthur Levine. West Side Story, of course, was inspired by the play Romeo and Juliet, uh, which was written by William Shakespeare, who apparently has fallen out of favor in the destroyed academy. That's full circle there. I'm huh? just cleaning my spindle, as Bill Deal used yeah. to say, right? Like uh, great Bill Deal. In the in the department of uh, the obvious, uh, don't go anywhere this weekend. You can't get anywhere. You just road all roads. Everything's are, close. Everything's close. Everything's John. close. John. You got the marathon. 
Uh, that closes everything, doesn't it? Well, wait a minute. We're, That's fine. Go to Summit and Fairview to cheer on those marathon runners. That's a fun place to cheer on the marathon. You got uh, three college homecoming football games. I'm See, going to the Gopher game tomorrow. Am I not going to be able to get there from Carver? I thought that was at Iowa. No, it's it's here. here? It's homecoming. Yeah. Uh, uh, hockey games, including the wild home opener, concerts, exhibits, and more. Uh, there will be an estimated 100,000 visitors in St. Paul through the course of the weekend. It would be really weird to have your homecoming at somebody else's campus. <laughs> Is it Gopher homecoming tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. I wonder how welcoming they would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not very well. Uh, traffic is to be heavy, and uh, roads are going to be closed. Well, and... that's a good thing, though, right? Having all those people visit St. Paul. Sure, and... sure, including tonight for the big concert. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. You the... know what? Speaking of that, so um, we're ha- we're having our very first Garage Logic podcast event where we're hosting a couple of wow. lucky winners oh, yeah. uh, at the Leonard Skinner show tonight. Can't, I can't find my pencil. My favorite part about yesterday's <laughs> negotiations, as good. far as what the staff was going to do before yeah. the show and whatnot, is Kenny said that he's just riding with you, mm-hmm. and then negotiated what vehicle you were going to drive. Yeah, which one am I going to? And then it occurred to me, uh, I had to text him last night, I can't drive at night. Because I'm, I'm having, I'm going to have cataract surgery later this month. And I've been, I've been forbidding myself to drive at night. In, wow. I'm, I'm glad you found a new chauffeur. Well, no, I don't know what we're going to do. Going to Uber? Maybe Uber over? Uh, I have a function prior to that. Yeah. So I, 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 can't, I can't go. Tell it, folks out there in listener land, if you want to drive the mayor no, from his house. I'm fine. You I'm got fine. Uber going to lift comp. I'm fine. I'll get there. Okay. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, the hairstylist seen in a video yeah. kicking a pro-life demonstrator has lost his job and may face charges. Good. Mm-hmm. Jordan Hunt has been identified as the culprit behind the attack after a video of him spin-kicking the woman went viral. He deleted his social media accounts after the backlash. In the video, he is seen approaching a group of pro-life activists and engaging them in a discussion about abortion before suddenly kicking an activist and ripping a campaign life ribbon off her jacket and then, like the coward he is, running from the scene. Uh, this is why you should get fired from your job, not because you voted or uh, you went to Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. or, or you know, made some type of comment. The, the gal who got kicked is Marie-Claire Bissonette, a youth coordinator with Campaign Life Coalition. Uh, she apparently, by all accounts, was protesting peacefully, and uh, this creep, this cowardly creep, came up and kicked her. And he's been identified and fired, and I hope he faces charges. How is everybody? Good. Yeah. I'll, I'll counter that with some good news. Here okay. Go. Okay. U.S. unemployment rate falls to a 49-year low of 3.7%. Woo! I think that explains rising gas prices. Uh, the demand is high. Okay. People have a little j- jingle, jingle, jing in their pocket. What do we got, about 280 285 I have no idea. You're buying regular? I, I don't. I have to buy premium. Yeah. Uh, employers added 134,000 jobs, the fewest in a year, the Labor Department said Friday, but that figure was likely lowered by Hurricane Florence. 3.7%. That's the lowest level since December 1969. Mm. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. That's a really good sign. Yeah. And then, of course, we had the viral photograph of the president, <laughs> the video. Oh, God. Getting on his plane down there, yeah, or here, I guess, yep. right? And he's got the toilet paper stuck to his shoe. Yeah, that's yeah. A, never a good deal. You can imagine some of the, uh, you can imagine some of the comments on the Twitter world. You know, yeah. Stuff is starting to stick. Oh. Isn't, there, isn't like it that. somebody's job? 
you know, I kind of keep an eye on the, you know, the TP guy. Absolutely. TP a president of the United have a TP States. guy. Yeah. T-P-O-U-S. Do you, my first thought was, but, do you think somebody will be getting yelled at because he walked up those steps with that on his shoe? Uh, once uh, once he sees this on social media, won't he be all angered, perhaps? I, know, I wonder if he I tweeted about I, it. I, I, he, it it's it tough to figure out. Say, I had a deep thought today that I'm going to share on the show. Already, okay. Well, I'm not ready for it yet. Mm. Well, I mean, I terribly You're deep, forming it. A deeply troubling deep thought mm. about the state of our nation. Okay. And where we're headed. You don't like it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll share it with you uh, in just a few moments. Okay, you're still kind of uh, it's me, a piece of clay and you're molding it. It's on the uh, spindle and you're I, not I, ba- the spindle, I based the it on something that I was reading table. today about millennials. This is according to one of the UK newspapers, The Express. A millennials prefer robots to people at work. <laughs> uh it's Can a bombshell. It's a bombshell study of 1,200 employees in the UK found the millennial generation is increasingly looking for ways to shun human contact. Of those surveyed, one in six 18 to 34-year-olds named customer interaction among their most hated work tasks. Isn't that something? Hmm. Uh, they prefer to ha- deal with a robot. All right. Hmm. Let me— Let me. Uh, Sorry. Uh, why don't you take a break? When okay. I come back, I'm going to give you my deep, deep thought. Deep thought. My deep thought. I had this deep thought when I was walking on the Garage Logic Service Road of Life yesterday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, uh, naturally inclined to be an opponent of driverless cars. Yes. Everybody, everybody with me? Yeah. I like cars. I want to drive my own car. What What is the ultimate result of a driverless car? Uh, less communication. Less, um... To me, it struck me that ownership would be at issue. Oh. Somebody's driving the car. A software program presumably is driving the car. What are you getting at? That ownership of things, homes, automobiles, land, that's a, that's a cornerstone of American life. It's a cornerstone of the free market. It's a cornerstone of capitalism. Ownership, mm-hmm. right? But you wouldn't own any of that. Well, you, Whoever controls the car. But you still have to purchase the driverless car. But you wouldn't own it. In, in this sense, you wouldn't own it because you wouldn't be able to control the software. So what's to keep the company that is maneuvering this piece of crap around the roads, what's to keep them from deciding that you ain't going anywhere today? Ownership is the bottom line that, that 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 was my deep thought. Who owns the damn thing? Well, do you mean who the day-to-day operation or who's on the title? You would be on the title. Uh, I'm talking more philosophically. Philosophically. Uh, a state uh, of let's mind. Let's say there's a a showroom selling these miserable things and you go buy one. Okay, you you have just purchased that physical contraption. But you're giving but up. But you the don't know how it runs. You're giving up the responsibility of driving. I see what you're saying. The 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 ownership part is 
this mechanism and this software program are determining whether you're going to go to Main Street for uh, a lunch. Yeah, you get you you mock my older cars because mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of old British sports cars. Yeah. But I got news for you: no one can tamper with it except me. There's more technology today in the steering wheel of a new car than there is in an entire 1980 MG. So wait a minute. And check, I'm not exaggerating. Check this out. Yeah, there's no computers in my cars. So what you're, the road you're going down here, pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, you're saying that when you lose control of the destination, then you will somehow be controlled by the overriding device? Is that what you're getting at here? No. I'll try it once again. Here we go. Software programs, I'm I'm assuming, will run driverless cars. Okay. Right? You get in and you punch in, I got to go to 22 Main Street. And then this miserable tin can piece of crap will take you there. What if it decides it doesn't want to? What 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 is to- because of a malfunction or because of <sighs> Pike, this- can you weigh in and help I, me well, once in a while? I'm I'm not getting your uh drift here because wouldn't that just be like any kind of malfunction even on cars let that me- exist now? Okay, wait, wait, let me take Maybe a Maybe I poorly it. stated it. Let me go back to so the beginning. So when Google Maps we we get the story once every six months. The guy drives yeah. in the lake because Google Maps told him to. Yeah. Let me let me go back to the beginning. The deep thought I had was merely the concept of ownership of things. I can see culture drifting off into a a situation where the ownership of homes, land, capital, cars, I can see that becoming at issue in the future. I'm with you. I'm with you so far. Okay. And so, therefore, once I'm in a driverless car— I'm at the mercy who of whoever owns the software. I get I get that. Okay. Well, that's pretty much my point. I don't I wouldn't own it. And your point is millennials are are, are willing just, to give that up. Well, I've just read you a story where, you know, if you can believe these silly studies, that millennials would much prefer to work with robots. So do you think it's gonna bother them to sit in a driverless car? Do you think it'll ever occur to them to worry about the ownership principles involved? No. No. I see what you're saying now. Okay, and and the world is setting up nicely for this because the modern kid, the modern high school kid, in my estimation, doesn't care about cars the way my generation did. Oh, yeah. very evident. We've been through this. In my day, the high school parking lot was a car show, mm-hmm. and today, some kid is just happy if he got to borrow his mom's minivan to get to school. And he doesn't give a bleep about it, and so they're perfectly set up as the future customer. Who, who won't care about ownership because they don't care about it now. So I'm saying my deep troubling thought, and I've had a couple today. Mm. You're going to hear about them whether I you want so. to or not. Right. <laughs> my, my deep troubling thought is the concept of ownership of things is going to be, I probably won't live long enough to see it, but it's going to be changed dramatically, I, I'm suggesting. That's all I'm suggesting. So you're, 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 you're bummed out that this trait has not been passed on to millennials that, boy, it's neat to see a 56 Chevy come down the road after it's been restored. Well, we're, or, you're, you're, 
you're on the right track. We're slipping into the world of cliches there. I, I don't I don't think a kid has any obligation to find a 56 Chevy interesting. I, I understand oh, that. Okay. Their, their world has been re, that world has been replaced for them with screen time and phones and video and internets and computers and they're they're uh, they behave in entirely different ways than than we did when we didn't have any of these devices. And one of the ways we behaved was we certainly enjoyed automobiles. Well, it's a it's it's a it's a, it, the era is lost then that that won't be passed on not just cars or uh, uh, tinkering tinkering they no, don't tinker no no now you're really drifting off uh, off my main point and then I'll end it because I have many more because he's in a driverless car yeah. that's why right. my main point was the left. concept <laughs> of ownership of things is what's going to come under uh, a change the concept of ownership of things hmm. that that's just my Garage Logic prediction number two eighty nine or wherever we are. We're in the five hundreds. Are we? Yeah. All right. But that's uh, I, I'm sorry it fell on deaf ears here. But uh, well, I'm we sure. got it. It's just we had to go around the uh, uh, what do you call those roundabout the roundabout a couple times. Mm-hmm. I got stuck in the middle. Ownership is what's at issue. Ownership. Ownership. Is, that's that's what your point is. Ownership. <laughs> in nineteen seventy. I don't know how far back I have to go. Probably I don't have to go farther back to 19... I bet cars had some form of computers in them in 1980s. In 1970, if I went into a a Chevy dealership and bought a car, it was mine. There There was no external forces involved. Once, once I bought it, it was no longer the dealer's uh, ownership or the or Detroit's. Well, the bank still owned it. I follow well, you. Let's say I walked in and paid cash for it. I'm following you. Okay, I'm the you. owner of it. No, no one can can alter how I would use it. No one could determine when I could use it. No one could determine how I could use it. It was mine. Okay. I had complete ownership. Mm-hmm. Period. That's all well, I'm saying. Who, okay. Can you I, imagine that boy. though with a driverless car? No. Who's going to take that? I'm see. I'm confused by the concept. Somebody's I'm going to. I'm afraid to say anything. Going to take that from you and somehow make the car do something different. Not. And I don't want a driverless car. I'm just confused how how that would happen. No. He's. He, you're, you're. You're commenting on the the concept of ownership. Why that the loss of that the millennials. Don't require that. John, as socialism increases in this country, I can easily imagine a scenario where uh, the citizens of this country will be harnessed into where they can go and when. How's that? And, and, And the means of doing that would be the end result of you having no control over this driverless piece of crap. It's a it's somebody else can control okay. what that car does. I now see what you mean. Okay. I'm not sure I agree with you. Well, your, I I don't your, I you're perfectly entitled not to. It sounds it, like a Twilight Zone it, episode. It does. To be truthful. It does, but it's the concept of ownership that's being I see. I, tossed I, I get out it the now. window with all of these so-called yep. miraculous yep. technological advances. I got you. I understand now. The, I understand completely. When you were on the Garage Logic service road of life yesterday yeah. with this deep thought, I bumped my head. Did you have a couple of <laughs> Kenny's gummy bears? No, I did not. No. Okay. See any big footprints or anything like okay. that? Okay. Okay. Uh, can we have a John Height news experience next? <laughs> sure. sure. And then after that, I'll give you another one. Oh, I'll think, give you another you one. You know what? I think we'll switch gears a little bit here. Yeah. That's good.
stopping. We just make a movie. Joe Cicere. Here's John Hyde in the Garage Logic Podcast Newsroom. Thank you, Joe. A deeply divided Senate pushing Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination past a key procedural hurdle this morning, setting up a likely, uh, you know, I can't get used to saying Friday, Friday, because it's a podcast, or right. not this morning, mm-hmm. setting up a likely final. I've been doing that for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I know you It's kind of hard to get it. Take ownership of it. Take ownership of it, will you? <laughs> this sets up the likely final showdown this weekend in a battle uh, that's seen claims of Long ago, sexual assault by the nominee threatened his being named to the country's highest court. Uh, the Senate's vote was 59, uh, 51 excuse me, to 49 on limited debate, effectively defeating Democratic efforts to scuttle the nomination with more delays. With Republicans clinging to a two-vote majority, one Republican voted to stop the nomination, one Democrat to send it further. Of the four lawmakers who had not revealed their decisions until Friday— Republican Senators Susan Collins of Maine and Jeff Flake of Arizona voted yes, as did Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Republican Lisa Murkowski of Alaska voted not to send the nomination to the full Senate. Of course, this doesn't mean anything because lawmakers now can still vote differently on the confirmation roll call. Collins told reporters she wouldn't rule out doing so. The final vote is expected on Saturday. Uh, Joe, with the podcast, you still keep your loose-leaf binder, right? Yes, I do. Well, here's one for you. Yes. Savage police say a 57-year-old man was transported to Hennepin County Medical Center after he fell out of a third-story window at a hotel Thursday night. Never done that. Police say they responded to the Quality Inn at about 11.23 on Thursday evening. When they got there, officers found the man who showed signs of alcohol impairment. I would Mm -hmm. imagine so. The man complained of back pain, had a broken right middle finger, according to police. He reportedly told police he did not remember the fall. But he did tell police he was alone in his room at the time. Officers checked the room, found it had been locked from the inside. They believed there was no way anyone else had been in the room with him at the time. Police said no witnesses saw the man fall, but some people in the room below him think they heard him hit the external air conditioner in their window. I see. On his way down. Oh, no. Now, he will be oh, fine. Lord, help me. I'm halfway down. <laughs> he, he will be fine. Uh-huh. He's got the broken middle finger. Did, did, and maybe a little bounce. There. Was there a bounce when he hit him? Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. thud, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got oh, a very went. <laughs> Where's Dave? <laughs> he well, was here a minute ago. He's in the parking lot outside the Quality Inn in Shakopee. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, speaking of alcohol, in Ramsey, up in my neck of the woods, an incident involving not one, but two drunk drivers. Oh. Three people injured slightly after an overnight crash in the city of Ramsey that involved a squad car and two suspected drunken drivers. According to the Ramsey Police Department, the squad car was pulled over in the area of Highway 10 and Sunfish Lake Boulevard about 12.30 Friday morning. Police said the squad car was pulled over dealing with an accident involving a suspected drunken driver when his car was hit by a second suspected drunken driver. The suspect from the first crash was in the back of the squad car, was injured on impact along with a passenger from the other car. A person from the initial crash was also injured. The names of those involved have not yet been released, but the Ramsey Police Department said all injuries are minor. Authorities say they are continuing to investigate the crash. A reputed mobster shot to death at a McDonald's drive-thru in New York while waiting for a cup of coffee. Whoa, soprano style. Yeah. Sylvester Zatola. wonder what his mob name was. Uh, Big see, Z. I don't think that the was Big in Big Z, there. Zooty. <laughs> Zooty? Zoots. 
Uh, he was blasted in the head, then four times in the chest and shoulder while sitting in his car outside the fast food restaurant in New York. They made sure, didn't they? Holy they did. cow. 4.45 in the afternoon on Thursday. The 71-year-old whose son was injured during an attempted murder three months ago had reportedly just ordered a coffee at the McDonald's drive through in the Bronx when his car was boxed in, just like in the movies. Boy. Wow. Gunman opened fire. He was pronounced dead at the scene, was found slumped in his maroon SUV with bullet holes in the driver's side window. Uh, witness Juan Bravo told the New York Times he thought that a woman and a baby were also in the car, but said both seemed not to have been injured during the shooting. The killer was said to have Just fled. Just kind of casually looked away or what? <laughs> killer was said to have fled in a gray vehicle, according to police. Sylvester is a reported but uh, banano. Crime family associate was said to have been attacked three times in the past year. By the tomato clan. By rival gangsters. Oh, banana. Oh, I'm sorry. So I have a question. And this is not oh. a knock on McDonald's coffee. I actually happen to like McDonald's yeah, coffee. Yeah. But don't you have a guy? If you're the head mobster of, of a crime family, mm-hmm. don't you got a guy that goes and gets your coffee? Well, it sounds like maybe a daughter was with him. A daughter. Oh, I suppose. Well, it sounds like he's one of those guys that wants to take ownership of getting his <laughs> sure, coffee. Sure, He doesn't so want to be in those. Right, uh, he's going to. He's going to get it on his own. The hub of St. Paul. <laughs> Joe making gestures uh, he's, at you, uh, he's, he's, His brow is up, and he's, he's the dismissing nature, me. The nature of ownership of things is what I'm talking about. I'm haunted that I've heard somebody discussing this, and I was reminded of it when I read about millennials preferring robots, but I can't remember. Uh, and I'd interview the person on the air if it can come to me. But it's it's the overall concept of ownership of anything in your life that I think is going to become in play. The hub of St. Paul's 2019 Winter Carnival is moving this year from Rice Park to Kellogg Mall Park, overlooking the Mississippi River. No. Really? Uh, This isn't a good thing. It it has to, though, because they're— too big or what? Well, no, let them— Oh. St. Paul Festival and— Rice Park is under renovation. Oh. St. Paul Festival and Heritage Foundation said that a lot of signature events and attractions would move from Rice Park because— of renovations underway there. Festivities like the ice carving competition, the Winter Carnival Music Series, the Ice Bar, and other attractions will take place at Kellogg Mall Park between Robert and Wabasha Streets. The carnival runs in 2019, January 24th through February 3rd. Rice Park around Christmas time is about as good as it gets. I'm surprised the, the mayor is allowing the uh, carnival to continue. God, good Ooh. point. Yeah, don't give him any ideas. <laughs> hush, hush. Very white. Yeah. You know, snowy and. <laughs> In a southern Sweden lake, eight-year-old Saga Vanacek was helping dad with his boat in the lake when she stepped on a 34-inch sword in a holster made of wooden leather, believed to be 1,500 years old. Don't tell me she donated it to the... Is this worth quite a bit of money? She's going to get some cash out of this? I I don't know, Chris. Uh. I, I'm not, guessing John? it'll go to a museum, don't uh, you think? Sell it. Michael Nordstrom of the local Jankoping County Museum said that the little girl's find prompted others to seek out long-lost treasures in a lake that had been diminished by drought. A brooch from between 300 to 400 A.D. was also found. Nordstrom said archaeologists are trying to understand why the items were left there. Uh, one suggestion, perhaps they were put there after or during a sacrifice. I got an idea for these people. Yeah. It's being called a Viking-era sword. Yeah. They should contact the Vikings and see what the Vikings would pay for this thing. I'm yeah. not kidding. Yeah, that would go with the— uh, No, I don't, looking, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I'm saying the Vikings would put— 
The guy got a stadium for free. You think he's going to give this girl any money <laughs> for a sword? Money that. That's a good hell? point. That's a good point. When a Salt Lake City couple left an envelope out with $1,060 inside, they didn't think their two-year-old son would do anything with oh. it. Well, they thought wrong. Ben and Jackie Belknap were saving the money to reimburse Ben's parents for some University of Utah season football tickets. They left the cash-filled envelope on the counter so they wouldn't forget to take it to him this weekend. Jackie said, we realized it was gone the next day and we started to look for it, couldn't find it. I have a bin where I put junk mail and any files I want shredded. And my son and I shred it when it gets full. I looked through that, then it made me think to look in the shredder. Sure as heck, she found the money. The cash was cut up into tiny pieces by the shredder. <laughs> we were silent for about five minutes and just sorted money out, and then I broke the silence and said, this will make a great story someday. The couple said they knew at that point their son Leo was the culprit because he regularly helps them shred the junk mail. Jackie said Leo, Leo had no idea he did anything wrong. I have a question. Okay. Why in the hell would you shred junk mail instead of recycling it? Space? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know either. Yeah. I don't Maybe know. they're one of those people that if their address is on it, they don't want anybody to know. Yeah. And so there's some people are obsessive compulsive. Or maybe credit card offer kind of things. I still get those. 10 pieces of mail a week addressed to my mother. Really? Who died more than two years ago. Wow. Yeah. I long since stopped trying to tell these idiots you're wasting your time. I just throw them away. What about Joe Fouchere? Do you ever get, remember you used to get mail Joe from Fouchere. Joe Fouchere? <laughs> yeah, I get a little of that. How you doing, Fouch? Yeah, yeah. Oh, What's speaking up, of that, um, did I show you what Fratelloni sent you? You did not. No, what did I got to run it into you. He he heard the conversation, so he gave you a mosquito gun. Oh, cool. The, you know, the salt yeah. mosquito yeah, gun. Yeah, the one where you have to have really good aim. Yeah. <laughs> one little grain one of salt. One little grain. Yeah. <laughs> Anything for me in that pile? In or no? John no. Camp's new book, uh, Holy Ghost, a new Virgil Flowers novel. Yeah. And John will be joining us Thursday for Author's Corner. Uh, in the opening scene, which is hilarious, the mayor of Wheatfield, Minnesota, who has one foot because he was injured in Afghanistan, oh. he's laying in his uh, house trailer uh, trying to shoot flies with a pellet gun. And uh, it's, a, it's a hell of a, it's funnier than hell. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this couple, uh, they could get their money back. How? The government department that deals with mutilated currency told them they could send the shredded money to them and the couple would get the money back, but it may take a while. Jackie said they told me it takes anywhere from six months to three years. Why? Does somebody pay, paste it all back together? I guess. Yeah. What's this, What movie am I thinking of? Uh, where, Brewster's where, Millions. No, where we snuck no. the people out of Iran uh, under the guise of making a film. Oh. And, and uh, uh, all of the, uh, there was a... Yes. A subplot was the Iranians trying to put together everything the Americans had shredded. Yeah. West I can't remember the name of it. Story. No, no, not West Side Story. Not that. North by North I think it was Ben Affleck, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Ben, I yes. think he directed it, too. Yeah. That he yeah. think it was a national treasure. Yeah. No, no, that's no, that was a map one. <laughs> oh, man, We're a lot of help. We really are. Well, I'm trying to. I can see the characters I, in too. the, yeah, I in can the see play, them. but I don't know what to search. The no. uh, the next deep thought I have is not necessarily deep as it is haunting. Okay. Haunting. 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 Last it's, one I would say was confusing. No, this one's not haunting. really, Matt. It wasn't confusing. If you stop and listen to it, it wasn't confusing. Ownership of things. <laughs> Will become in play in this society. Unconfused. All right. Thank you. All right.
University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. You know, we're happy to uh, announce that RF Moeller Jeweler has joined the Garage Logic podcast. Yes. Moeller's been with Garage Logic almost as long as Garage Logic has existed. And right now, if you go into any RF Moeller Jeweler, uh, Ford in Cleveland and St. Paul, 50th in France and Edina, downtown Minneapolis, and you tell them you're a GL podcast listener, you get 250 bucks off any watch priced at $500 or more. I, I find that an incredible deal. So thank you to RF Moeller Jewelry. You're not kidding. All right, haunting story. This is from the Wall Street Journal, but this story today was on a number of news sites. Hundreds of Facebook employees have expressed outrage about a top global policy executive's decision to support Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and appear at his hearing last week. Employees raised the question directly to Chief Executive Mark Zuckerberg during his weekly question and answer session last Friday. Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandberg also weighed in on the controversy on Friday in an internal discussion thread that has so far drawn hundreds of comments, many of which were critical of this uh, fellow's action. Joel Kaplan is his name. The debate began shortly after an image of Joel Kaplan, Facebook's head of global policy, surfaced in the middle of Judge Kavanaugh's lengthy hearing last Thursday, people familiar with the company said. His appearance quickly became an internal referendum on how Facebook's top executives felt about the Me Too movement, Trump-era politics, and freedom of speech and expression. Mr. Zuckerberg said he would not have made the same decision, but the appearance didn't violate Facebook policies and that Mr. Kaplan has long been close friends with Kavanaugh. The controversy has not died down internally. Senior Facebook executives, including Zuckerberg and Sandberg, are planning to hold a town hall meeting Friday, today, to address employee concerns about Kaplan's decision. Hmm. Kaplan, who is based in Washington, D.C., will participate as well, the people said. Uh, The fire has been burning for a full week now, said one employee. Mr. Kaplan's appearance came in the midst of a difficult week for the company. Uh, Last Monday, the co-founders of Instagram abruptly resigned after chatting with Mr. Zuckerberg on strategy. Uh, Friday, the company disclosed its largest ever security breach. Kaplan, a close friend of Kavanaugh's, initially initially appeared defensive in his response, saying he took the day off, according to a person familiar with his decision. But then his tone shifted as the controversy persisted. He later apologized in, uh. a, in an internal forum for surprising employees by his appearance and said he didn't realize his going to the hearing would be so controversial. <sighs> Was he being told what to think? This is, this is absolutely frightening. You, you, he violated the club rules. If you're in the club, you can't think for yourself. And these apparently brainwashed people at Facebook, however many thousands of employees have, they're uh, uniformly, it would appear, opposed to anything Trump might come up with, including a judicial nominee. So... If this guy didn't violate any written rules, he violated their preciousness. Right. He violated their consciousness. Do you want to work for a company that's going to tell you who you can support politically? <sighs> and, and then maybe verify who you're voting for some, somewhere down the road? We want to know who you're voting for, or we're going to tell you who you may vote for. Other employees, particularly women, said that Mr. Kaplan's appearance sent the wrong message to female employees. Why? There's no evidence that, that Kavanaugh did anything. Everything's uncorroborated. Oh. Everything's uncorroborated. Uh, 
about the way uh, executives view the broader debate about sexual assault and women in the workplace. Facebook's discussions reflect the emotions that have surrounded Kavanaugh's confirmation and seeped into business around the country where the hearings caused work to screech to a halt in many offices. They also show Silicon Valley continuing to wrestle with how to moderate its employees' political behavior. Don't you find this daunting? 27 years we've been here, and no, this employer has never told us how to vote or who we should vote for. Kaplan oversees global public policy for Facebook. He was a former official in George W. Bush's administration and was present when Judge Kavanaugh was sworn in as a judge in the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in D.C. Mr. Kaplan was also at the White House when Mr. Trump nominated Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Kaplan was seated in the second row behind the judge at the hearing, during which Kavanaugh responded to questions about allegations raised by Christine Blasey Ford, who accused him of sexual misconduct. Uh... His appearance at the hearing shocked many Facebook employees, including senior leaders, who hadn't been told about his plans. The the senior leaders weren't told. (laughs) You have violated the thinking policy of the company. You You need reprogramming. You you need to be (laughs) re-indoctrinated. Who is this? Uh, Used to be Buddy, wasn't he? Was this Buddy? Buddy the train guy? Mm -hmm. So you're not a social media guy, except for, except for uh, promotional purposes of this podcast. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right yeah. now, as you were saying that, mm-hmm. a Twitter ad popped up on my Twitter timeline. Look at this, Johnny. Kamala Harris, she is oh, a— yeah. She's a senator. She's yeah. a senator she's in a California. She's a Marxist. We need just 6,121 more people to reach our new goal of 1.5 million Americans against Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court of the United States. Will you add your name right now? This is an ad on Twitter. Well, I can link this to what's happening in the Destroyed Academy. Just as haunting uh, is the discovery that at the University of Washington, a website run by students allows individuals to publicly accuse people of sexual assault with no evidence. Oh, okay. If you don't think we're in bad times, you're you're uh, you're sorely mistaken. Think of all the incidents that have been in the news where someone was accused, and like at a school, somebody then they they admit to making it up to get attention. Remember, over the years we've had these. You know what this is a result of? What? In the destroyed academy, there's no such thing as truth anymore. Truth is whatever you determine to suit your own reality. We're in huge trouble. Well, you're seeing it at Facebook. The the cultural belief at Facebook is that Kavanaugh abused women, there being no evidence of it. But that has become Facebook's truth to the point where one of their top executives is being ridiculed by the employees for having the audacity to have Kavanaugh as a friend and to have attended his hearing. What, you want to live in that country? I don't. I don't want to work for that company. I don't want to live in that country. And it's these companies, Google, Facebook, Silicon Valley, that are developing the driverless cars. I'm not sure I have the link put together yet, but I don't want to be ruled by people who are going to tell me what I have to think. 
And is it is it much of a stretch of the imagination that they'd tell you where and when you could go somewhere? They wouldn't stop there. If, you, if they're going to tell you what to think, right. it's, it's not much of a stretch to think they'll also control where you go somewhere and why and when and how. If it fits their... their... If it fits their version of the truth, their version of reality. <laughs> I didn't mean to be so bleak today. Yeah, I hope you bring it up <laughs> in the next hour because I didn't have lunch. So you're really bringing me down. Well, I got to tell you about this University of Washington thing. I'll be right back. We can do that. GarageLogic.com. Don't forget to rate on Apple iTunes. Suchi Boy will be back with more on a Friday afternoon. Garage Logic.